Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time of studying God's Word together. Lord, we love you so much. We're thankful that the Word feeds us. Uh, we're pretty good about making sure we get three good meals a day plus multiple snacks, but today uh, we want to make sure that we're feeding on your Word. Today, as we speak about such a, um, a weighty subject as praying for our nation, Lord, I pray that you would direct and uh, anoint and cause us to be not only learners, but cause us to, uh, today to go to a deeper place of dedication um, and of new declaration of dependence upon you. Teach us how to pray for our nation today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to speak the final message, share the final episode of our five-week series on praying for our nation. <clears throat> the Bible, this is a favorite scripture of mine, and a lot of people never talk about it much. It's found in Psalm chapter 11, verse 3, and it simply says this. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? This has application to your personal life. It has application to, to um, church life. It has application to a lot of areas. But the original intent of this verse had to do with the nation. So I ask you, can I change this a moment? When the foundations of our nation are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, Franklin Graham, most of you are familiar with Franklin and his great ministry. Uh, he is carrying in a significant way a, a torch, at least for the burdens, many of the burdens that Billy Graham carried. He's, as his son, he's carrying that on today. And I, I, I just want to uh, really read, I, I only put up on the screen a part of his uh, statement that I want to read to you because I can't say it better. I believe... Our nation is in trouble today, probably more than I've seen in my lifetime. We are contending with issues that are causing the very foundation of our country to crumble. Our moral and spiritual roots are eroding. The economy is misleading. Family life is disintegrating. And political forces are at unprecedented odds. And there seem to be very few leaders and believers who will take a stand for God and for his word. I believe that that is a truthful and prophetic statement by Franklin Graham. It's very tempting. I want to get really honest with you this morning. Is that right? It can be very tempting to believe that America has reached the point of no return. It's very easy to have a pessimistic, negative, throw-in-the-towel attitude about our nation. While these factors can cause despair, I believe that we need to be reminded by Scripture that with God, nothing is impossible. No problem. We could give the litany of problems that our nation faces, but no problem is too great for God. Seasons of distress, uncertainty, hardship simply call for faithful, fervent prayer of God's people. 
I think we have fallen into the habit of providing every other kind of fix for our nation's woes other than prayer. We cannot expect healing to come to our nation apart from obedience to God through His Word and through fervent prayer. Now listen to me carefully. I'm really not interested. I'll tell you what I'm not doing this morning. I really don't want to focus on our problems because I think they're well acknowledged by most people who wake up and actually have their head out of the sand daily. I'm not going to review the problems we're facing as a nation. You hear about them every day. But in some ways, I agree with, since we use the quote of Franklin Graham, I thought I would be uh, fair and also give you a quote by his mother, Ruth Graham. Billy Graham's wife, if some of you didn't know. Ruth Graham really sums this up great with some pretty provocative words. She said, if God doesn't bring judgment on America soon, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Whew. I did not say that. Do not leave here <laughs> quoting me. All right? All right? That's Billy Graham's wife, Ruth. But it is a provocative statement, isn't it? And it's clearly a statement that I'm sharing with the intention of simply a wake-up call to all of us, if you haven't heard that sound of the trumpet already. I believe it's a crucial time for us individually and collectively to seek God's intervention for the challenges that we face. We need to pray not only for our nation, we need to pray for our leaders, we need to pray for those that govern us, that they will turn to God with humble hearts and follow Him. Our military leaders need your prayers. As dedicated men and women who are serving on our battlefields and sacrificing their blood simply to protect our nation and many innocent people around the globe. God is faithful to bless those who will turn to Him. Today, we're going to explore how we can make a difference. We're going to talk about how we can truly return our nation to God and to its principles. But as we call on God, we need to do so with genuine faith, believing that He hears our prayers. Do not pray hopeless prayers. Do not pray woeful, oh, pity-based prayers. Don't pray rare, uh, prayers that are hopeless like, Lord, I know there's really, our nation's gone way too far, but could you please do it? Let's pray faith-based prayers. God can heal our great land. Our forefathers fought, died, worked to establish those foundations. But we must have spiritual renewal. It is an absolute necessity. We need revival in America. We need each and every one of you, as well as Christians in our nation, to pray this. Lord, hear our cry. Lord, hear our cry. You just say those words with me. Lord, hear our cry. Now, I say this as an opinion, but a well-founded one. I do not believe that elections will change our nation. I do not believe 
that legislation is the answer to our nation's problems. I do not believe that political answers is a necessary part of the system that it is. I don't believe that's the answer to our nation's problems. I do not believe that having just the right charismatic leader in office is the answer. I'm not even sure that just having someone who claims to be a Christian is the answer. Although it may be a preference, I am personally convinced that's not the key. I won't give a historical reminder of some examples, but I won't. Here's the issue. Um, financial collapse, uh, financial ups and downs. Uh, I don't believe a change in the fabric of the stock market is our answer. I don't even believe, some of you call me a heretic now, I don't even believe that ensuring the right additions to our Supreme Court is the answer. Although that's critical from a political standpoint. The only hope for America is a divine wake up and shake up. If that proposition is correct, then there is only one thing that is most critical for you and for me to do. And I'm not saying this to undermine the importance of participating in prayer. I'm sorry, participating in voting, participating in the political process. But I want to make it very, very clear. This is, has nothing to do with the current election, has nothing to do with all the stuff that goes on from month to month, even in non-election years. This has to do with the only thing that's going to make a difference. And that is praying for our nation. So, that's what I believe. You will also not hear, this has nothing to do with, uh, in, in fact, you won't hear endorsements from this lector. Um, I... I I've always said I want, I want every kind of person who has some political conviction, I want everybody to feel welcome here. I'll never compromise God's word. But I believe that the true answer uh, it not, is not a correct vote, but is a divine intervention. So the question is, what can we do? What can we as believers do to stem the rushing tide of secularism, relativism, hedonism in our post-Christian society? And if you don't think we're in a post-Christian society, wake up and smell the coffee. Wake up. You are no longer. You are no longer in 1958. You are no longer in 1966. So the question is, what can we do? Let me read several scriptures put them on the screen for you proverbs 14 34 righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a disgrace to any people can i hear an amen, amen. first timothy chapter 2 begins to give us what we need to do first two verses listen to this this the strength of exhortation that paul is giving to his colleague timothy i urge then First of all, the petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he focuses on this for kings and all those in authority 
It didn't say only when your kings are righteous. It did not say only when the president is the one that you think ought to be in office. Someone say amen. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You break down this verse, you see that the, that the end game is what? Living peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness. Isn't that really what should matter? That's what I want. It's what all of you ought to want. You ought to want it for your children. You ought to want it for your grandchildren. You ought to want it for yourself. There is a direct connection between the charge to pray for those in authority, pray for our nation, and the result, which is for what? To have peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You see the connection? If you don't, you're not reading the Bible. All right. Psalm chapter 33, verse 12. Great verse. You should remember it. Say it with me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Say it once more. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. There's a wonderful uh, couple other passages we'll look at together. And I'm not going to read all of Psalm 33 where that passage came from. But it's worth you reading the first 18 verses of chapter 33 in the book of Psalms. It's powerful. You know, I find it interesting that we all should know, we all do know, what our national motto is. Right? Thank you very much. That's right. In God, we trust. That means the national motto suggests that in in 1956, believe it or not, when the Congress... um, I'm not sure that my date is right there. But anyway, when Congress voted and finally approved as a national motto in God we trust. Do you know what that would mean? That would mean that it was perfectly appropriate and the House and Congressional Uh, House of Representatives and our Senate, every time that they would gather, that everybody could gather together and simply say all together, in God we trust. Can you picture that happening? All right. I said I wasn't going to turn negative. All right. So, how do we pray? I don't think I would have many people here today who would say, no, don't, you know, I I don't think that's right. The question really becomes, how do we do this? How do we pray for our nation and make an impact in our culture? I'm going to offer to you six answers, okay? And you're saying, my God, how long is he going to go today? Just watch, all right? I'm good at this, all right? Six strategic steps for intercession. Ready? Number one, humble yourself before God. It's a starting point. Do you know what that means? It's the opposite of pride and arrogance. Humbling yourself. And the scripture that we really will base much of the rest of what I'm going to say on is this. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I'll come back to it in a moment. 
But it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a pretty good promise, wouldn't you agree? All right. So the first step is, if you'll notice even in 2 Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by name will do what? Humble themselves. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says that God opposes, opposes people who are proud. I don't know about you. I don't mind other people opposing me, but I do not want God opposing me. Pride causes God to oppose your efforts. But humbling yourself, humbling yourself, and it has nothing to do with just a posture. It has to do, I mean, it may help, but it has to do with an attitude of heart. I've recognized that God is in charge, and you need to submit and humble yourself before God. We all must learn to do that and maintain that as an attitude. It's the first condition. It's the place to start when we pray. The second strategic step that you need to take is to remember the promises of God's Word. Even in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says that it it gives the conditions, if you'll do this, and if you'll do this, and if you'll do this, then it says what? And I will heal their land. Most of the promises in the Bible have conditions. Granted, But look at the promise. I will heal their land. And look at another one in Psalm 121, verse 4. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. May I rephrase it? He who watches over America. I believe he does. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't doesn't slumber, which says what? If you will take the time to intercede and pray for our nation, he will be attentive to your prayers, and he will heal our land. And if we can get enough people doing it, we can have a spiritual movement towards a spiritual wake-up and renewal. Remember God's promises when you pray. Number three, recognize God's ability to intervene in national crises. I don't have time to give you all of the preponderance of examples in Scripture, but from Genesis to Revelation, we can prove that God is a God who desires many times to intervene into national crises. The problem is there's no one to pray. No one will take the position to pray. There's not enough critical prayer mass to Allow God to to do what he wants to do. So, I love this in Daniel chapter 9. And you'll notice I'm going to use several things from Daniel's life because Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel said, I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, Daniel was standing in the gap. There was a lot going on around him. He's living in an ungodly land. And this is what he prayed. What is he saying? God, I recognize fixing this is not a problem for you. It's never too big of a problem for God to address and solve. And so we have to recognize that God has the ability to intervene in national crises. If we don't recognize this, you'll simply say, it's just a waste of my time. 
I'll just focus on trying to, you know, build up my own, uh, my own personal uh, issues and whatever it may be that you're concerned about. Number four, confess the sins of your nation. It's going to throw some of you a curveball. <coughs> confess the sins of your nation. I'll just give you Daniel's example. He said, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. And we have done wickedly. We've rebelled even by departing from your precepts and from your judgments. He was including himself in this confession, but he was confessing the sin of the land. This is called you confessing and repenting on behalf of America. Now that seems like that, it's just like so far-fetched. Doing that is called identificational repentance. I personally am convinced that identifying with a corporate body, a nation, our state, whatever it may be, that we can and should stand in the gap as intercessors and we should confess the sins of our nation. You say, well, I didn't do anything. By being a part of the nation, you can confess the sins of the nation. There are plenty to list. All right? You can identify in such a way that even as Daniel. The issue here wasn't, in fact, did you know that in the Bible we have no record of Daniel's sins? Some of you have been studying Daniel probably already not. There's no record of Dan's, Daniel's sins. And most other we have records of sin. Not Daniel's case. I'm not saying he didn't sin. I'm just saying there's no record. Therefore, what? It's not an emphasis. So he would be a very righteous man, right? And yet, he prays his prayer. Even though he did that, he identified with the sins of others. We need to identify with the sins of America. We need to confess just like Daniel did. We need to say, Father, we have sinned. We have murdered unborn children. We have violated every financial principle in the Bible. We have followed a path of destruction. And Lord, I confess that to you. And I call it sin. And I'm repentant in my heart. I'm repentant on behalf of my nation and even those that don't have a clue. I am repenting today on their behalf. Some of you probably have never heard of this man. He's one of my heroes. His name is Stephen Olford. He's probably one of the greatest preachers, at least in the last couple of decades. Stephen Olford refers to this aspect, this aspect of turning, as Chronicle said, turning from your wicked ways. He calls this holiness in prayer. And he goes on to say this, to have defilement in our hands, to have dissension in our hearts, and to have doubting in our minds and hearts is to cancel out all effectiveness of prayer. Yes. Yes. Friends, we have worshipped other gods and we call it multiculturalism. I'm going to get personal here for a moment. We have endorsed perversion and we call it 
an alternative lifestyle. We have explored the poor and we call it the lottery. We have killed the unborn and we call it a choice. We have neglected to discipline our children and we call it building their self-esteem. We have abused power, but we call it political savvy. We've coveted our neighbor's possessions and we called it ambition. We've polluted the airwaves and the media with profanity. And we call it the freedom of expression and speech. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers, and yet we've called it enlightenment. My point? There's plenty of things for you to confess for your nation. Number five, ask God to heal, restore, and bless America. Daniel cried out, Lord, listen! Any of you ever, some of you may be afraid to say that. Lord, Hear my cry. Lord, listen. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay. Because your city, this nation, and your people bear your name. The foundations of our nation bear his name. Correct? Ask, petition God Almighty to heal, restore, and bless our nation. Don't just pray for God to bless America, but also pray for you to be a blessing to Americans. Don't just pray for revival in America. Pray that revival begins with you. While we're commanded to pray for our nation, we just can't, we can't just complain and bemoan how bad things are. You know why? Because we get what we deserve. I know that upsets some of you. We get what we deserve. And because of the slow but sure erosion and decline of spiritual vitality and Christian biblical values, that's why we're where we are today. So, we need Him to heal. We need Him to restore. We need Him to bless our nation like at no other time in its history. I'm going to give you the last point, and we'll close. Add to these other things which are important some spiritual warfare. Bind, Matthew 16, 18. Bind the satanic powers of darkness undermining our nation. If you don't believe that the spiritual forces of darkness are at work to undermine our nation and pulling the strings of anybody and everybody and everything that they can from top to bottom, from rich to poor, from politically powerful to those who don't care, the devil is out to destroy our nation. The devil doesn't want us to be the primary mission sending continent of the world anymore in fact we have lost that footing years ago he doesn't want us to advance the gospel and if you need a biblical reference turn to the book of the daniel once again and you find daniel in chapter 10 praying praying and an angel taps him on the shoulder and said hey just want you to know daniel there's been a little problem going on just i just want you to know I, you know 
you've been doing really good on the prayer side. But there's some spiritual powers. In fact, called he called this one the Prince of Persia. And I don't have time to digress and teach, but it is a territorial spirit, evil spirit, territorially assigned to Persia. And he said, man, we've had angels fighting. They've been battling in the heavenlies. You can't see it, but there's battles that have been going on in the heavenly. But your prayers, the reason you haven't gotten your answer in the time frame you thought you needed it is because there's been a battle going on to resist it. Now, do you think anything has changed since Daniel's day? Do you think it's possible? Don't get me started. Do you think it's possible that there are spiritual forces of darkness that are attacking and assigned to our nation, to every county, to every city, to every commonwealth, to every state in this nation? I guarantee it. Just go to Las Vegas with a set of spiritual eyes and come back and tell me what you discern. Go to most cities in our nation. And there are spirits assigned to that area. You say, well, what do we do? We bind them. We have the authority. The issue is not whether we carry the badge and have the gun. We just got to use it. And Jesus is already, as Dan said, He's already defeated the enemy. The question is whether or not the victory's already been won. The question is, will we enforce it? Our nation is being run by demonic powers. And we're just having church. All right. I'm going nine minutes over, so it's time to close. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to tell me, by the show of hands, if you will accept today my challenge. I'm frankly not interested in any persuasion of views, policy views, political views, candidate views. None of that makes a hill of beans to me. The only thing that means something to me today is whether you'll take seriously the challenge. To make a difference by praying for America. And I want to just, don't, you're not going to, it's not a matter of you impressing me. It's between you and God. I just want to know how many of you will dedicate yourself in 2016? I think you'd agree it's a pivotal year. How many of you say, I am going to be more deliberate and more focused on praying for America? And I'm going to use some of these steps to do that. I want you to raise your hand. Say, Lord, before God, God, I'm going to do that. While your hands are up, I'm going to pray. Lord, we cry out to you today. Hear our cry. Let us take a place of sober, serious prayer. And Lord, as we follow the admonition of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, Lord, we know you say, if my people. But Lord, today we're saying, yes, we will. And Lord, we also are praying in faith that you will heal our land. And so, Lord, bring us to that place of remembrance regularly. We pray in Jesus Christ's powerful name. Amen.
prayer, those who are doing prayer ministry today, come at the front. I'm going to dismiss you one second here. Um, they're going to be here at the front. Listen, listen to me carefully as we close. If you are not right with God, don't leave here today without getting right with God. If you've been, been running from him, you're in, just trying to escape his conviction. Some of you maybe never been born again. Some of you know Jesus, but you're distant from God today. If you need to get right with God, you come and ask one of these teams to pray for you. Some of you may just have need. You just want someone to pray. I focus pretty explicitly today on a broader subject. But if you have a personal need, don't hesitate. Come and let them pray for you. And I appreciate your attentiveness. And uh, I pray that your week is blessed. And that you go and walk in the Spirit and make an impact in your world today. God bless you. You're dismissed.